Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Ruth. Ruth. A powerful, powerful little book. Um, we're going to learn some, a few truths um, today and next week as well. I, I, for the sake of time, there's no way I can get all of this out to you today. And uh, you're grateful for that, I promise. <laughs> but Ruth is, th- this book, the story of Ruth, comes uh, during a very dark time in Israel. Uh, th- these would be the dark ages of, of Israel is when they had uh, they were being ruled by judges at this time, and um, these these judges or or you could call them saviors or deliverers. Uh, what they really did was God used people like Samson and Jephthah and Deborah and Gideon, people like that, to help deliver Israel out of captivity. They were delivered into cap into captivity because of their own failures and faults and forsaking of God and his laws. So God would allow them to reap the consequence of their actions, and then they would cry out to God after a certain amount of time. Sometimes it was a number of years, and then God would raise up a deliverer and pull them back out of that captivity into freedom. And this is, this is the, if you ever read the book of Judges, you'll find yourself pretty frustrated with these people and imagine how God must have felt during this time because over and over again you see this phrase and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You're like, when are you people going to wake up? Don't be too hard on them. We've made more than one mistake. I'm glad God's not God of just second chances. (laughs) Many, 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 many chances. His mercy endures forever. And so this, this, this story is, is, is a ray of sunshine, if you will, during these dark times, the story of Ruth. And it's a, it's a powerful story, a story of, of loss and of grief, it's a story of devotion and love, the story of favor and redemption and lots, lots of great things. But we're going to look at one, one area of this story. And Ruth is from a place called Moab. And uh, there's a woman by the name of Naomi who had married a man named Elimelech, and they had two sons, um, Malon and Kilion, and they lived in Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem had, was enduring a terrible uh, famine during this time, so they made a trek over to Moab. Now, it was, it was God's laws concerning Moab and Israel were very strict, and one of those big-time laws was you don't marry Moabites, all right? Israel's not to mingle with the Moabites because they were not a people that were set apart uh, for God. They were a heathen, Gentile, pagan nation, something like McKinney, Texas, if you were. They were on the outside, they were on the outside of God's covenant. And so he did not want covenant people married uncovenanted people. Is that uncovenanted a word? I don't know. It sounds pretty good to me. But they, uh, and so they, they went to Moab and the dad dies. Elimelech dies. And now here's Naomi with her two sons. Well, they take wives from Moab. Not a good, not a good idea. Well, as a result of that, they reaped the consequence of that and both died early deaths. So now here's Naomi with two daughters-in-law that are Moabites, one named Orpah and one named Ruth. Not a great situation, all right? Because during these times, it was very difficult 
almost rare that a woman would make her own living. She depended very much on her husband, and many women married that man to have support and security and and have a livelihood. So here, all three of these women are all widowed, and they have no way to live. This is the part of the story we're coming to. So Naomi tells her daughters-in-law, listen, I have nothing for you. I'm too old to bear kids. And even if I could bear kids, are you really going to wait for them to grow up and then marry them? I said, no, won't y'all go back to your home and back to your mother's house, find a husband so that you can, things can be well with you, you can be at peace. And so they all cried together. Let's pick up in verse 14. Everybody with me? Verse 14 says, then they lifted up their voices again and wept, <clears throat> and or- Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her, and she said, this is Naomi speaking to Ruth, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn or to turn back from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if anything but death parts you and me. Ruth made a major decision here. She decided to stick with Naomi. Naomi, who really there was no future with Naomi. There there, there was no way for, for provision to come from Naomi. But she loved her, and there's something about Naomi, something about her culture, something about her God that got Ruth's attention. And she decided that was more important than what a husband could bring, than what children could bring. That was more important than what her foreign gods could bring. That was more important than the security that she could find going back home amongst her own people. What Naomi had, Ruth had to have it. And so she would abandon all of that to be with Naomi. So I want to focus on her devotion to Naomi. I believe that we can all learn some truths from that um, to take into our own lives and enable us to live better lives. The first thing that she says is, where you go, I will go. First devotion that we see is the devotion to leadership. The devotion to leadership. Then she says, where you lodge, I will lodge. Next we see the devotion to home. Your people shall be my people. We see a devotion to fellowship. And your God, my God, devotion to worship. And where you die, I will die. A devotion for life. All of these aspects of devotion are critical keys to living our lives with stability and security. Look at verse 16. It says, where you go, I will go. Devotion to leadership. I was telling the earlier service today, I am where I am in ministry. I am where I am in life, in large part due to the leaders in my life, those who I've looked to to follow. And uh, I thank God for the parents that I have. I'm certainly blessed to have mom and dad who serve the Lord uh, all my life. 
uh, for the most part, and except when I was a little bitty, but I, I didn't know anything back then. But as far as I've known, they've always, always served the Lord. Now, I'm not saying they've been perfect, but they've always served the Lord and had a heart for God and, and taught me um, the right kinds of things, taught me to love God, taught me to love the church, taught me to, didn't force me to do any of it. Just by their example, I fell in love with godly things. I fell in love. I wanted to be, I wanted to live that kind of life. And um, so I, I thank God for lead, leaders in my life. I, um, uh, another leader that has spoken a lot in my life is Pastor Charles Neiman, who has who's been a great influence uh, to me and my family, to our staff, to our church. And, and many of you uh, might not even understand the kind of influence he has had on us. But our, our staff go out to a conference out in El Paso, Texas every year, El Stinking Paso, Texas, which is real close to Namibia. About halfway there. <laughs> and I'm like, why do we got to go to El Paso to get inspired? But because there's a man there who speaks into our life in, in a great church. And so some things that, that Charles Neiman taught me, especially when it comes to ministry and things, things that I've held on to were, number one, and I think during this time it's, a, it's another good thing to remember, don't draw lines of division, draw circles of love. And, and, and put people in your circle of love. And he said, you know, there'll be people that you have in your circle of love, but they don't put you in their circle of love. He said, love them anyway. Focus on more things that unite than that divide. Those are the kinds of things that leaders have taught me. My dad taught me years and years ago about keeping my heart as a revolving door as a pastor. He said one of the things I've seen in pastors through the years is, 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 is why a lot of them leave the ministry is because they cling so hard to people so that when people leave, it rips their heart open and they don't want to do it anymore. And he said, you keep your heart a revolving door and when they come into your life, you love them and you, you teach them, and you, but, but when they leave, they go in peace. And you continue to love those that are still there because if you're only focused on those that have hurt you and that have left, then that's not fair to everybody else that's in your congregation. It's not right. And so that's something that is, I've taken as a, a leadership principle in my life. These are things that I've, I've tried to do my best to follow. It's, I, I could go on all kinds of advice that I've been taught, but the, these are things that were turning points in my life. And I, like I said, I am where I am because of those who have spoken into my life and, and, and choosing to follow them, choosing to, to do it their way and, and listen to them, and even though many times may not agree. <laughs> You know, you don't always agree with your leadership, right? If you have any teen, anybody got teenagers here? Okay, you understand what it's like for people not to agree with you. My kids used to believe every word I said, and then they, I don't know what happened. And they started to get an opinion of their own. And There's one right there. But... You, st you still follow because here, this is God's design. This is God's system that all of us in our life have some aspect of following and some aspect of leading. You're a parent, you're a leader. You're a boss, you're a leader. You're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a leader. Or if you're a student, you're a follower. You're listening, you're a child, you're following. You're an employee, you're following, you're listening. You're... So we, we have these, these different aspects of leading and following. But 
you cannot truly lead if you're not a good follower, right? That has to be the first thing that you, you have somebody speaking into your life and teaching them. As, as the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, all right? Follow me. So uh, he, he lived his life in such a way that he could tell you, if you'll, if you'll get behind me, if you'll listen to me, if you'll follow these teachings, you'll arrive at Christ. Amen. I want to be that. I want to be that to you. I want to be that to others. That, I can, that they can know that if they'll, if they'll follow my example, that they're going to end up at God. Can I get a good amen today? Amen. And, and I'm not the only amen. one that has that responsibility. You all do. Because the moment you gave your life to Christ, <clears throat> your life got on display. Yeah. I mean, God put you amen. right in the, in, the, in the window of the department store of life. Huh? The light came on. You can't hide light. The light came on. When he, well, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Well, no, you don't. How, how, how easy is that to say? It's my, my faith is private. No, it's not. You're a light. You're salt. You're the salt of the earth. You're not allowed to just be private with this. Amen. We have a message to get out to this world. It's a message of reconciliation. That message that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Right now, the world needs to hear this message of reconciliation more than ever before. Not how dark they are, not how sinful they are, but how good and reconciling and redeeming our God is. Amen. We walk into darkness. We don't talk about the darkness. If we want the darkness to change, we turn the light on. Amen. So we preach Christ and him crucified. And whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Amen. Christ crucified, buried, and risen from the dead. Amen. So uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Ruth, thank you. I I thought I had a really cool, you'll have to forgive me if I didn't know the meaning of this, and I know many of you are much smarter than me, but uh, I I thought it was a cool title for this, and I titled it. Um, ruthful devotion. Instead of, I was thinking not ruthless devotion. We're going to be ruthful devotion. But the word ruthful means pitiful. So I didn't think that'd be a <laughs> Ruth-filled devotion. <laughs> maybe. Ruth-like? Ruth-ish. Heather said Ruth-ish. Maybe we should do that. Or maybe we should entitle it at all. Maybe I should shut up and keep going. All right. Devotion to leadership is not always an easy task. And many times devotion to leadership it can be an inconvenience and um, can be even scary at times. I know that. I, I've been in those kind of situations. One time when my dad was teaching me how to swim as a kid, I was five years old, and um, we were living in South Dallas at the time. And uh, he was attending, he was a student at Christ for the Nations then. <clears throat> and so there was a little pool there in our apartment complex. And so he decided he was going to teach me and my brother how to swim. My brother was out. At that moment, he, was, he didn't want to learn at that moment. So he didn't really try to force it on him. And he didn't teach me like Heather's dad taught her and her brothers. He just threw them in the water and just let them figure it out. <laughs> my dad told me, I'm gonna, you're going to get on my back, and we're going to go into water. I'm going to swim underwater for a while and let you kind of get used to, to being in the water. And then, but, but here's my rule. Don't let go. I know when to come up for air. So if you let go of me, 
it's going to go really bad for you. It's going to be a painful experience. In other words, I'm going to beat your butt. So don't let go of me. Yes, sir. So I was excited about it, and I was scared because I'd never experienced anything like this. The only time I've been in water was, you know, in a bathtub, and that's once a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> From Oklahoma. So I jumped, I got on my dad's back, and sure enough, we submerged. And we're going to the water, and man, I'm telling you, it was just a few seconds in, and panic hits me. Right? I'm thinking, no, no, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, no, he's going to kill me. So I, I let go, and I scurried to the surface as best as I knew how, because I didn't know how to swim. <clears throat> he comes out after that, and next thing I know, I'm jerked out of the pool, and he did as he had promised. Wore my backside out and said, let's go again. Now I really didn't want to do it, but I realized the next time I was under that water, the pain of that, that, that whipping was worth never experiencing again. So I figured, you know what? I, I think at this point I would accept death over, <laughs> over another whipping. So if I die, I die. So I, I, I hold on to my dad and he takes me underwater and we're swimming around. And sure enough, here in just a little bit, he comes up and we both take a breath and he said, you all right? I said, yeah. He said, you want to do it again? I said, yeah. So we go back under the water, and before long, I release my dad, and I'm swimming around underwater. I didn't know. I didn't know because it was new. And there are times in your life that, that God puts these leaders in your life so that you can know things that you don't know. They're there for your protection. They're there for your progress. They're there for your good. They're there for your learning. So learn from them. Amen. And one of the greatest things that you can do as, as someone who has a leader in your life, number one, pray for them. Amen. They need the wisdom of God. <laughs> but you don't always necessarily have to understand uh, why you're being told what you're being told. But just believe that God put them in your life. And that if you'll devote yourself to follow, God will take care of you. This system God put up, God set up a long time ago. And, and, and anybody working outside of this, uh, this system of authority, they find themselves in chaos. We saw that in Dallas just a few days ago. We see that time and time again. People connecting to causes that are chaotic. And they're not bringing, they're not bringing people together, not for the right reasons. And they're not promoting unity. They're not promoting peace. They're not promoting love. They're not promoting uh, uh, watching out for one, one another's welfare. All right? It's just taking sides, taking sides, and it's pitiful. That's why we're called One Cause Church, because we believe in this cause. It's the cause of Christ, and it's the love of God for all men, and we got to keep getting this message out. Amen. All right, let's continue. Next thought, she says this, wherever you lodge, I will lodge. This is about devotion to home, which means this is about stability, settling it in your heart that where you are is home. Now, maybe it's not ultimately what you would consider home. I mean, even though the scripture, the scripture says we're in this world, but we're not of this world, right? Because we know where our real home is. We know our, our home is in heaven. And so we live our life on this earth like that's true. Like heaven really is our home. And 
but you settle it wherever you are. That, the scripture says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Maybe the job that you're at isn't the ideal job you want to be at, but let me just tell you something. Make yourself at home there. Do your best at it. God will make sure that you get where you need to be. All right? If you'll just trust him and wherever you are to be there, to really be there, not always talking about you, you wish you were somewhere else or you wish you were someone else, or any, but just put yourself in there. Make yourself at home there, whether it's even your own home with your own family, maybe that you can't stand, but make yourself home there. All right? Make yourself home. One of the things that, that I think helped my, me and Heather a lot, not only our relationship, but just us, our, our effect in ministry was finally settling down. Our first 12 years of marriage, we moved something like 14 or 15 times. And we were going all over the place. And, and part of that time I was playing in a band and we were traveling all over. And we were, so I wasn't really settled in a lot of ways. I knew that I was called to preach as a young man, but I also loved to do this rock and roll thing and play music and get that out. And so I was torn for a long time on what to do. And Heather has been that rock in my life that kept me at home, that kept me stable, that kept me thinking right and kept me grounded. Uh, and so finally, when we came here to McKinney, actually, I, I prayed, I asked the Lord, Lord, can you please, can we just stay? I would just like to stay. And um, I went over to my, my parents' house one day, me and my brother, my dad calls us and says, I want you boys to come over. I want to, uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to bless you and pronounce a blessing over you. And uh, he, he, had got, he was reading about Jacob blessing his sons and Joseph blessing his sons, and he felt like it was important to do that. And so I'm thinking, yeah, you're not dying on me, are you? Dale did that right before death, so stick with us, Dad. <laughs> anyway, so he brings us over to the house. You remember this? And we were sitting on their back porch, and he calls me up you know, in front of him, and he, and he lays his hands on me, and he begins to pronounce this blessing over me. He didn't know that I was praying this prayer to stay, and... Um, and as he's blessing me and blessing our ministry and things like this, he says, oh, yeah, and the Lord says, stay. And I went, yeah, thank you, Lord. You can stay. But I found that, that so much of the, the shifting in my life and the insecurities and the indecision came from the, this place that I had not settled to be at home, to be at home where I was and to give myself to that. And so I found that a lot of that really went away, and it made me love ministry even more. It made me appreciate where I am right now in this moment, and not to keep wishing for some other day, some other time, some other place. All right? So be at home. Devote yourself. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Because remember, God came. Think about this for a moment. God made a home in you. He felt perfect, Madeline. He felt perfectly comfortable moving right into you, knowing your mistakes, knowing your failures, knowing your down, all those kinds of things. He felt perfectly comfortable to come and live. And Paul said, we have this treasure in clay vessels, in earthen vessels. God made a home. Aren't you glad he came and stayed? I'm so glad that God's not unsettled in me. He's not unsettled in you. And this devotion of home is so important. It's so important because not only does it bring stability to your own life, but it brings stability to your children. It brings stability to your friends. 
I like this. That's one, that's one thing I love about going to my grandparents' house, and I think some of you can relate. Because when I go to my grandparents' house, I know that there are things that I can absolutely, without fail, depend on. There's a certain smell I'm going to smell. And it was a good smell. <laughs> it was a good smell. It was just, I don't know. And once in a while, I'll smell that smell. Like, I'll be somewhere, smell, and all of a sudden, I'm back in my grandparents' house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? And, and I, know, I know that I'm not going to get a whip in there. It's a whipping-free zone. <laughs> Got plenty of that at home with my mom and dad, but grandparents, no, there ain't no such thing. There are no rules on what I could eat and in what order to eat those things. You want ding-dongs first? Get them out of the cabinet, boy. Go to... And we just eat. I know, I know. And there was such a security about that. And seeing my grandparents there all the time, again and again and again, that takes time. When you make yourself at home, it takes time for things to settle. It takes time for that to impact. But my family, it is something that lasts a long time, not only from your, your life, but to your children and your children's children. Abraham settled it in his heart. He was going to believe God. And look what that did for Isaac. He settled in his heart. He was going to believe God. Look what it did for Jacob. He settled it in his heart. He was going to believe God. And then God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Make yourself at home. Devote yourself to home. Wherever you are, be there. Live there. Abide there. Dwell there. Amen. In these times of of great instability, get your roots down and stay. Amen. I'm going to stop right there because... The Cowboys play in the end of August. So let's. <clears throat> let's stand together today. Hey Amen. I, I don't ask you to do this very often. I want to ask you to do this today. Can we all just take somebody by the hand for a moment? And I want you to, to pray for the person on whatever side you have, right and left, and maybe some of you just have somebody on your right or left, but pray for them. Just go ahead, lift your voices now. Just pray for them. Let's just strengthen each other. We're all members of the body of Christ, all individual members of this body. It's in this moment we, we can draw on one another and draw on one another strength and help and prayers. We agree together and find there's great power in our agreement together today. Lord, I thank you that we as a church can be a beacon of light for oneness and for unity, for love, for grace, for peace, God. That we aren't those who rant. No, we are rays, rays of hope, rays of love, rays of truth, rays of grace, God. That slices the darkness of hatred and despair and disunity wide open. Thank you, Father God, for the power of your love. And Lord, we commit together today to pray for one another, to pray for our cities, to pray for our nation, God. We're asking you as 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 a joined body here today, God, bless America. Help our country, Lord. Help us, Lord, to to remember what 
what makes this nation great. Help us, Lord, to rally around who we really are, the thing that unites us, not the things that divide us, God, that not colors, not creeds, but, Father God, that we are all Americans, God. Help us to remember it's in God that we trust and that we are a free people, hallelujah, that we are endowed with certain inalienable rights, Lord, that we are endowed with inalienable rights by our Creator, Lord. We all are equal in the eyes of our God. And help us, Lord, to carry that message, Lord, and how we speak to one another, how we talk to one another, how we act toward one another, Father. Thank you, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for meeting the needs of those who came in this place today with needs. Lord, I thank you that you blessed them, Lord. I declare the peace of God over them, over their children, over their marriages, over their businesses, their homes, their, their jobs, God. Lord, I thank you now, God, their bodies and their minds, peace that passes all understanding now. Thank you, Father God, that your joy is their strength, God. You are right now for them a very present help in time of trouble, in time of need. I thank you, Lord. You said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I thank you, Father God, for your grace that has come to all of us, that you, the God who is just, the God who will always do right, by grace you justified the ungodly, (laughs) declared innocent the ungodly, because he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And in that we rejoice today, and in, in that we thank you, Lord, that today, Lord, we are, we are no longer on the outside. We're no longer lost in darkness. We're no longer dead in our sin. We are made alive in Christ, Lord. We thank you for that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you did that for us, that you did that for me. Thank you, Lord, that you took all the blame for all my wrongdoing, all of our failures, all of our faults. You took the blame for it so that we could be credited with your righteousness today. So we bless you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. And we declare that the enemy is defeated and our Jesus is Lord. We say that this darkness will not stay. We say that the devil has no power because for this purpose was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So we are not of those who retreat. No, we believe to the saving of the soul. We believe until we see the full deliverance. We thank you, Lord. We choose to stand for truth, for love, for what is right today in Jesus' name and to be a voice that will carry the love and grace of God wherever we go. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.